Hello and welcome to today's Unpacked podcast. I'm Charlie Pickles. I am joined by Peter Franklin, our Unpacked guru. Hello. And I'm also joined by, who is laughing at my, my opening comment, uh, Sally Chatterton, our Deputy Editor. Afternoon. Wonderful. So today we are discussing uh, an Unpacked by Peter, which is focusing on uh, the political spectrum, I guess. Um, it is called The Idea That Liberals Aren't Represented by the Party System Is the Opposite of the Truth. Now, before we get into the meat of that discussion and why uh, it is a lie that Liberals are not represented, um, Peter, can you just start by explaining for, for our listeners who clearly or may not have in front of them a piece of paper to draw out a graph, can you explain, first of all, how you are framing the ideological stances that different people are taking? Okay, this is the idea of the political compass, as it's often called. Um, now, the conventional political spectrum is left-right. It's a kind of single line. Um, the political compass actually has two axes, one of which is left to right on economic issues, so from kind of state control of industry through to laissez-faire free market capitalism. Um, but at right angles to that, you have a second axis. So we're basically drawing a cross here. That's right, a cross, yeah. And that second axis is um, about social and cultural issues. And that goes from at the top, you have kind of traditionalists kind of viewpoints. And then that goes to the bottom where you have radical, kind of very progressive, one might say politically correct uh, viewpoints, right? And so and essentially we're creating four quadrants then. So you can be, right. you know, you could be, for example, uh, very economically uh, liberal, let's say fair, but you could be very socially uh, traditionalist or conservative I might yes. say. Okay. Yes. So why then, or rather explain to us, Peter, kind of where the majority, if indeed the majority are in a particular place, where they sit on that compass? Well that this is a really interesting point. And um there's an article by Matt Singh, um, who's a pollster, I believe, um, for the new statesman. And he says that actually if you look at the polls um, and this is for the UK, Matt that's right. this, is, this is for the UK. If you look at the polls, there's quite a lot of people to the left of centre economically, right? They're um, wanting a lot more spending on the NHS and things like that. Or they think that um, ordinary working people don't get a fair share of, of the economic pie. Um, so there's a lot of people there. But he's warning, you know, probably new statesman readers, that that doesn't mean that they're liberal on social issues. And in fact, he, he goes through a whole load of polling evidence to show that actually people are often, those people are often quite socially conservative as well. And that puts them in the top left-hand quadrant on this political compass. And so just, just finally then, before I want to bring Sally in, um, how does this relate to the rise of populism? Well, that sort of socially conservative, for instance, on immigration, but plus um, maybe sort of leftish on economic issues, perhaps so free... a bit anti-globalisation or something That's like that. That's right, sort yeah. of wanting restrictions on free trade, um, for instance, less, less imports and competition from, from, from abroad. Um, that sort of quadrant, um, populists have moved into it, right? Okay. 
So, if if that's kind of where populists are, and yet it seems to be from the article where a majority of people are, Sally, are we? You know, are our political not, not leaders? Sorry, sorry, not necessarily a majority. <clears throat> okay, but a substantial number. Right. Of people. So it's not an it's not a, a an insignificant minority. Then. That's it's, right. It's, okay. Right. So so Sally, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Sorry, were you going to no, ask no, me a no, question? Go I was just going to say that um, we do have a piece on Unheard at the moment by Henry Olson, which is um, talking about the Blair Institute's uh, report into the rise of populism in Europe. And it sort of backs up the people who I think they're found in the left, top left quadrant. Would that be right? The, the, the Blair Institute and the centre-left is sort of failing to understand the legitimate concerns of people who are found in that quadrant, which is, you know, they're worried about globalisation, they're worried about immigration. This sort of then morphs into populism. Um, and meanwhile, the, the centre-left is sort of ignoring them, treating them with a certain disdain, aren't they? So then who do they turn to to represent them? Well, Donald Trump, for one, in America. Um, and he directly went after those people. And um, there's a second um, article in this which I reference by um, Jonathan Chait in New York uh, magazine, in which he shows there's a distribution of voters, American voters this is, across those four quadrants. And he finds there's an awful lot in that vital top left so-called populist quadrant. And what happened for the first time um, or for the first time for a long time, is that the Republican, in this case Donald Trump, he won because he won so many of those voters. And that's why he, he won a lot of the Rust Belt states, um, and that's why he's president now. And Hillary really put these people off. And so we've got this kind of vacuum then, I guess, of... Uh political representatives that genuinely both understand and um, I guess speak for this group of people who feel like they they you know have been ignored um, for for quite a while and as Sally's saying you know perhaps Tony Blair is is one of the early examples um, of that so you know there's a kind of vacuum that therefore more extreme candidates can step right. into so I mean how how do we move forward on this? Well, um, the kind of metropolitan opinion formers who have, you know, real outsized influence, um, they need to get over the delusion that um, they think it's their views that aren't represented by conventional politics. And, you know, in the UK at least, we've seen an awful lot of um, people trying to <laughs> sort of rather farcically start up their new centrist parties, as they call them. Um, and um, these never get anywhere. But the thing is, the mainstream parties already represent their views. They're all pro-globalisation, they're pro-immigration, they might make the occasional populist gesture in the other direction. But actually, in terms of changing things, making life better for people that are the left-behind people, um, you know, nothing fundamental changes. There's, and, and there's no real sort of proper analysis of who wins and who loses from globalisation. Um, and, well, I mean, and, 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 you know, people react against that and look for, for people, opportunities to express their anger. And this is precisely why we're not really talking about right and left anymore, isn't it? Because, because yeah. actually, 
both right and left are fairly centrist and are represented by the this this kind of group of people who have a a fairly shared world view which is why we have you know in david goodart's terms the kind of anywheres in the in the center and then the somewheres who are those quotes ordinary people ordinary families that are living in communities that have been forgotten well, yes and well also um didn't Theresa may try and speak to some of these people's concerns when she was stood outside downing street she talked about burning injustices well, and, exactly. and you know and, and, and yet it's done nothing about yes, it yes and an economy that works for everybody yeah. but the economy doesn't work in any different way than it did when she became Prime Minister. And so sadly, uh, it seems like we've still got a vacuum, and so we're still waiting for the right people to step in and actually truly represent the the somewheres. Yes, otherwise you'll get the wrong people doing it instead. I'm sure we could all name several of those. Um, anyway, I'm afraid we have run out of time, otherwise this is no longer going to be in short. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much to Sally and Peter, obviously, for uh, being on the podcast. And thank you to James Coney for producing it. Please do join us again for our next Unpacked Short. And of course, do subscribe if you haven't already.